and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 6, Episode 8. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the film that we're going to talk about tonight is... Us. And uh, this sounds to me very much like a rollicking Disney adventure, is that right? Uh, You're breaking up quite a lot. Yeah, you broke up briefly there, but you seem to have come back. Okay. If it really doesn't work, I might have to turn the router off and on again. Okay. Well, let's carry on. Keep trying. Do you want to go from the top? Yeah. From the top of what? (laughs) (laughs) It's a Star Trek joke. (laughs) Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andes, Season 6, Episode 8. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the film that we're going to talk about tonight is... Us. Us. And Us sounds to me very much from the title like a rollicking Disney adventure. Yes. Is that right? Is it a rollicking Disney adventure? It's not, but I'm really glad to see that the rollicking Disney adventure is back. Loud and proud. (laughs) Loud and proud. Podcast. (laughs) Listener, I... um, Andy Cockerell is in almost complete darkness over the video link that we, uh, we're we using to talk yes. to each other. Yes, uh, because I can't reach a light from... Well, I could, but I'm not going to get up. Because uh, you're too light. I mean, a funny chair that's got sides on, uh, yeah, that means I can't An actually get up. Chair. Um that was That was almost Alan Partridge in its <laughs> delivery there. An armchair. <laughs> That will be a chair with arms. By which I mean a chair with arms. An armchair. Um, Yeah, so I'm not going to get up. But I could put my keyboard light on, that might help. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe not. Right, yeah. I can mostly see your screen reflected in your glasses. Okay, well that's good. Um, So yes, Us is the movie this this week. Mm Mm-hmm. But let's I've got some some other some preamble to talk about. Okay, hit um, me with the preamble. Well, there's some. I was just reading about uh, the transformative scene in American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. which was one of our well, one of my. Well, probably was it one of your thirty best horror movies? Of I the would 20th say century? Would, I would easily make it into my top thirty. Okay, um, so this that scene was shot after the film had wrapped. Really? Yes. Um, thinking about it, it kind of makes sense because it took six days to shoot. So they always planned to 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 have it, did they? Yes. Or? Okay. Yes, they always planned to do it, but they but they slotted it in at the end but, rather right. than doing it as part of the production. I always remember the falling off fingernail. Uh, is that the fly? Or maybe that's from the fly. I think you're thinking of the fly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I am. <laughs> Still, I, I mean, I do. So, um. So this scene took six days to shoot. Uh, it's estimated that they shot about 30 minutes over right. the six days mm-hmm. with 10 hours a day, most of the time being taken up, applying makeup. Wow. Because it's all done. It's a lot. I mean, it's really tiring for everybody and a very skeleton crew as well. So mm. camera, no, not much sound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're recording like a, a key soundtrack, but most of the sound was added afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um a couple of people to do technical stuff, but really a very small crew. Most mm-hmm. of the crew is made up of special effects people, visual mm-hmm. effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and uh, the guy who uh, who envisaged it was a guy called Rick Baker who did the effects for the movie. Mm-hmm. 
and he had a series of different faces and different transform transformative um uh you know they'd have like the first stage and the second stage mm-hmm. and the third mm-hmm. stage they'd apply them all separately mm-hmm. shoot them separately um and some of it's like the bit where his face elongates mm-hmm. was a piece of animatronic right, effect right, right. Right. um i think it's an astonishing sequence yeah it's great really eye popping and uh i kind of kind of shows you how long those things take took to shoot then these days they probably do it in a computer and it wouldn't look as good yeah. Well, have you watched any any of the DVD extras for Walking Dead? Uh, n- no, I haven't. Are they worth it? They do an awful lot. The the vi- they, they they focus a lot on visual effects. In fact, it's slightly mm. annoying that they don't actually really talk about anything else. But um, yeah, they um they do a lot of physical effects. They have a huge amount of extras with a lot yeah. of makeup and prosthetics and whatever. Um, they they do stuff digitally, but they mostly do. The kind of things they do digitally are like blood splats when you get shot and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. if they're if they're like on the ground cutting open a zombie corpse to get to check whether it ate their their friend or something like that, mm. they're actually there with like um, pig guts Awful. pulling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's yeah. all real stuff. So um, <clears throat> that's nice to see. Nice to see. Interesting. Um, I was also reading today about Alien mm-hmm. because um, J.W. Rinsler has uh, has written a book all about Alien to coincide with its and the anniversary this year. Okay, because it was re-released in cinemas this year, which is which oh, I, really? I didn't go yeah, and see it. I bet that would have been a good experience. Is it too late? Yeah, yeah, it was back in, earlier in the year. That would be a thing um, to go and see at the IMAX. Yeah, definitely. Um, so reportedly Sigourney Weaver wasn't really all that enamoured with the script. Originally. Originally. Mm-hmm. You know, she, uh, she she reportedly said, well, I'm just not really feeling the connection with all these people who don't have a connection to each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I guess they don't. None mm-hmm. of the people in the crew really have much of a personal connection to each other, mm-hmm. other than the fact they're all, most of them are going to be um, alien fodder. Mm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but I guess she she eventually got on board with it. And thank goodness. Mm. Thank goodness for that. Um, so two sad bits of news. Th- these are quite old sad bits of news, but as we haven't done one for a while, mm-hmm. I did remember to talk about them, though. So a couple of actors died recently um, who've been involved in quite a lot of genre work, uh, notably Freddie Jones, who is a British actor who uh, collaborated quite a lot with David Lynch, mm-hmm. um, notably in The Elephant Man, in which he plays the... Um, uh, the the fairground owner who he's the first time we see John Merrick is when Freddie Jones introduces him, and uh, Freddie Jones was a man who never knowingly unsold a line, <laughs> so he would really give it his all. Mm-hmm. Um, you could call him coarse, um, but that might be doing him a disservice. <laughs> he was um, quite something actually, Freddie Jones. He's also in Dune right, as well. Right, right. I think he's also in. Um, Wild at Heart as well. So yeah, big big David Lynch collaborator and um, actor Rip Torn, who uh, had a marvelous name, a marvelous voice. Yeah. Um, he died recently as well. So uh, he was in uh, Men in Black mm-hmm. as Zed, I think. So somebody will set me right on that. Um, Wasn't that an alien? No, he was the he's the head of head of Men in Black. 
He's the he's the big guy, okay. the big Kahuna, okay. the number one, <laughs> the big man. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of couple of folks who've died recently, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, shall we move on to us? Did you want to talk about that trailer you sent me earlier? Oh yes, let's talk about that. So Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. has made another cut of Apocalypse Now. He mm-hmm. calls it the final cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been... So the last cut of this came out in 2001, which was the Apocalypse Now Redux cut. And that was long, right? Which is very long. It's... Uh, it, yeah, it's very long. It's over two hours long. It might be approaching three hours. And that restored a bunch of footage that was often talked about but had never been seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably a very long, boring sequence in a French plantation, <laughs> which doesn't really add anything to the narrative other than give um, Willard someone to get close to and then have to leave Okay. in the shape of a, a French woman. And it also restored some stuff with Colonel Kilgore, played by Robert Duvall, and some other character stuff. I think the Redux cut is a curiosity. Mm-hmm. But I I'm still think pretty sure the, I haven't seen that cut. Okay, so I think the original cut is a better version. I think mm-hmm. it's shorter and not very. You know, it's not a lean film, but it's a shorter version. Mm. But Coppola has produced what he calls the final cut, which is shorter than Redux cut, longer than the original cut. Um, I don't know what's in or out, but uh, the important thing is it's been restored in a 4K restoration. He's saying it's never looked this good, so. Um, if you haven't seen Apocalypse Now, I think we have spoken about it when we were talking about Mandy. Right. right, right. And you were asking me for examples of psychedelia, and I pointed that right. Apocalypse Now is a yeah. very psychedelic film mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in places. Mm-hmm. Um, if a listener hasn't seen Apocalypse Now, why haven't you seen Apocalypse Now? And uh, there's a new cut coming, so there's a, there's an opportunity there for you to to watch it. It's pretty amazing. It's 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 such a weird film. I don't feel like I remember much of it, but then I, I saw the clips and lots of that was very familiar. Came back, yeah. It, I watched it. So it's a visceral film. I don't feel like oh, the yeah. plot has much to do with it. No. I mean, it's... it's um, But the the wordsmith, the, the, the script is just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, the, in, the trailer, in the trailer that I watched, that we watched today... There's lines in it that Willard says. He says, I wanted a mission, and for my sins they gave me one. Yeah. That's just an amazing line. Yeah, yeah. It definitely has good lines, and it yeah. has this, these incredible visceral scenes. So it's based on a novel by Joseph Conrad, which is right, set right. in colonial Africa, mm. in like dark, darkest Central Africa. And the novel is about a man who's sent to find... Mr. Kurtz, deep in the jungle, mm-hmm. who everyone thinks has gone mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Apocalypse Now kind of follows that plot line fairly loosely. So so uh, Willard, who is played by Martin Sheen, in a, I think the best performance of his career, um, he is sent to either bring, oh no, to terminate with extreme prejudice. Uh, Colonel Kurtz, who's played by a very overweight but still incredibly magnetic Marlon Brando, who's in the jungle somewhere and has gone completely nuts. You can tell he's nuts because he's shaved his head. He's shaved his head and he talks in weird riddles. Mm-hmm. And again, iconic lines. Mm-hmm. What, he says, um, 
I think you're an errant boy sent by errant boys. You think my methods are unsound? And Willard says, I'm not seeing any methods at all, sir. So there's, <laughs> there's uh, again, sort of great sparkling banter between. And it has the very them. famous, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's such a great line. <laughs> I, mean, I was noticing yeah. in the trailer that that bloke who says that also, there's all these explosions in the background whenever he's on. He doesn't flinch. And he doesn't flinch at all. And everyone else around him flinches all the time. It's a great performance. Yeah. It's an amazing film. It's you know the film that also introduced *Ride of the Valkyries* to an unsuspecting audience. Yeah. Uh, has the Doors playing out over the opening titles to the to the sight of napalm exploding in trees. It is, you know, you could pick out uh, from a film that long. You could pick out maybe twenty or thirty standout scenes that you'd say, yeah. okay, that's iconic. That's yeah, iconic. Things that uh, other influential. Films, well, yeah. They would be. They'd be remembered for that one scene. Yes. And it has all of these different ones that are all so influential and so memorable and iconic, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but, you know, Coppola went mad in the, in the jungle in the Philippines. Um, there's a very interesting movie called... Uh, what's it called? Is it called Hearts of Darkness? I think it might be called Hearts of Darkness. So it's about the filming of Apocalypse Now. Because the book is called Heart of Darkness, right? Yes, but the documentary about Apocalypse Now is called Heart... I think it's called Hearts of Darkness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a scene in the documentary where he is up to his waist in in water, just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George Lucas was on standby to take over in case he was taken ill. Right. Or, you know, or taken off the project because he because he was no longer considered to be right. sane. Um, yeah, it's the film that nearly killed him. Right. They were, they were using the Filipino uh, Air Force helicopters, mm -hmm. um, which are like, uh, you know, they're um, authentic helicopters of the period. Right. But they had to keep leaving because there was a civil war going on. <laughs> so they couldn't control that. They couldn't control when they'd have access to the helicopters. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know... Uh, the malaria, the jungle. Yeah, shooting on location. Mm. I think most film directors will tell you that if you have to shoot on location, don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you do have to shoot on location, get get a second unit to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he did it all on location, which is nuts. Wow. Yeah. So there we go. Apocalypse Now, the final cut. Out sometime this out. year or something? Yes. No, no, it's out very soon. I think right, it's right, September. Right. Yeah, September. Um, cool. We should probably talk about the actual film we're talking about. Yeah, although I'm enjoying talking about Apocalypse mm -hmm. now. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's great. Yeah, let's talk about Us. So, it's, it, it isn't a rollicking Disney adventure. Oh. I know. Um, this is a 2019 American horror film mm -hmm. uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think... I think this is the second time on the pod that I've talked about a film by the same director. Right, yes. So I, I think the first time was probably The Killing of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lanthimos, who also mm -hmm. made The Lobster, which right. we talked about a couple yep. of years ago, a few years ago. Uh, so we talked about Jordan Peele's previous movie, Get Out. Yeah, which I also haven't seen, and I'm ex as excited to see that as I am to see Us, but I haven't managed to see either. Okay, so uh, you're in for a treat then. So, mm -hmm. um, so this stars uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Shahadi Wright Joseph, Evan Alex, Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale, 
and Tim Heidecker. Oh, she's the, she's the star of Handmaid's Tale, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, the film follows Adelaide Wilson, who's played by Lupita Nyong'o, and her family, who arrive at their summer home in Santa Cruz and are attacked by a group of menacing doppelgangers. Super creepy. So the project was first announced in February 2018. So this is a um, bit Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Very much in that mould. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Um, so Jordan Peele produced the film alongside Jason Bloom and Sean McKittrick, uh, with, with them all previously having collaborated on Get Out and Black Klansman. Oh, I really uh, like Black Klansman. Yeah, it's terrific, isn't it? Really fun. Yeah. Yeah, they they make a very dark, disturbing subject um, relevant and interesting. And fun. Yeah, and fun. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jason Bloom, who you know most people would probably associate with uh, horror movies, mm-hmm. is a you know is a really amazing, I think, a really amazing producer of just film in general, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and a good supporter of people like Jordan Peele. Uh, so filming took place from July to October 2018 in California. Had its world premiere at South by Southwest in March this year, in 2019. Was theatrically re- released in March. Oh, sorry, it had its premiere at South by Southwest, then was released in March. It was a commercial success, grossing $254 million worldwide against a budget of $20 million. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, received praise for Peel's screenplay and direction, as well as the musical score and Neongo's performance. And listener, we should warn you that this is a spoilerific podcast, so what, what follows is. will contain spoilers. That's the fun of it. It is going to contain spoilers. Um, this is a twisty, twisty, turny, interesting movie that features features a narrative that doesn't really present itself until the very end of the movie. All right, um, which is interesting. Am I going to compare it with Society again? Um, no, it's a better movie than Society. Okay, good. Because Society is a bit boring. <laughs> it is a bit boring, but I think also important. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plot is that in 1986, so we have a flashback at the beginning of the movie, young Adelaide Thomas goes on vacation with her parents to Santa Cruz. And while she's at the beach, she wanders off to a fun house where she encounters someone... Uh, that looks like her, but we don't really see it at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. What we see is she looks at a mirror and there's someone in the mirror with with her back to her mm-hmm. that could be her. Mm-hmm. We then cut, cut back to Adelaide Thomas and we see her eyes go wide and then, the, and then it cuts to the present day. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually know who it was, mm-hmm. but we can guess that it was someone that looked a lot like her. Um, when her parents find her she looks distressed and is unable to speak in the in the words of Agent Smith so hold on in the present day or yeah so we cut to the present day after mm-hmm. the Hall of Mirrors right 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 um, uh, no sorry after the Hall of Mirrors her parents find her but she is unable to speak right right right, right. and throughout the movie we see some cutaways to the past where people are saying, you know, we'll try and re- we'll try and get her to speak again, but there's no guarantee she'll ever speak again. Right, 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 right. But we cut now to the present day where she has recovered her speech. Okay. And they are heading back to Santa Cruz 
for okay. a holiday why? with her husband. Why are they doing well, yes, that? why indeed, yes. Um, <laughs> husband and two children. Oh, there's a bad guy after me. I'd better run upstairs. Yes, indeed. Um, and once there, the kids start to notice that there's weird stuff going on in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Strange people. Strange people that maybe they see twice. Mm-hmm. So they, they think they've seen them in one place, then maybe they see them in another place that can't really be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that night, a family of four dressed in red appears in the Wilson's driveway. Oh, I'm scared already. Now, this scene is really creepy. So I think it looks like, it looks to me, like like they are models in a okay. model set. Right, right, right. And that makes them look even more <laughs> otherworldy. Mm-hmm. And they don't move. They're completely still. Okay. Um, so the man goes out, uh, the husband goes out to, you know, to, to confront them and they don't move. They don't mm-hmm. respond. Nothing, nothing happens. Then the woman of the group makes a funny clicking sound <laughs> and, the, and the kids disappear into the undergrowth like the woman from um, The Ring. Listen, I've got to tell you, watching <laughs> Andy Cockerell in almost pitch darkness, just raising <laughs> raising his hands to indicate the scariness of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which sort of yeah. glow in the in the uh, <laughs> in the glow of the monitor. <laughs> it's effective. It's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. Um so <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. Okay, so they break so what happens is um uh the dad gets uh he gets attacked by the other man mm-hmm. who realises looks a lot looks exactly like him but with a bigger bigger beard. Okay. And then they the family manage to break into the house, they they grab the other family, and then the woman speaks. Okay. But her voice is really, really raspy. <laughs> she can't speak properly. She got a terrible sore throat. Terrible, terrible. In fact, she sounds a lot like... No, it's not like that. It's like... <clears throat> it's like the, the beastie in... Um, uh, what's that movie? The Grudge. Right. It's like the beastie in The Grudge, only it Doesn't can speak. The one in The Grudge go... Uh, uh, yes. But that's how that's how the woman speaks in this. Oh, man, that's so scary. It's really messed up. Should offer her a strepsil. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. Would you like a strepsil? <laughs> And would you like to leave now? Um, <laughs> Take a strepsil on your way out. Yes, and and shut the door. <laughs> so she explains in a moment of, um, I would have to say, very effective Basil exposition. <laughs> she explains that the doppelgangers are called the tethered. Okay. That they share a soul with their counterparts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That they have come to untether themselves. Right, right, right. They've, they're done with sharing a soul. Exactly. Yes, they they're very themselves. much done. They're very right, much right, done right. with that. Right. And uh, she tells them a story of a girl who is loved and happy, while her shadow was in the dark, and was suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the family is separated by the doppelgangers. Uh, some pursuit takes place. The man managed to, manages to lure the other man down to the docks where, the, where he's got this rubbishy old um, motorboat. Mm-hmm. And uh, he manages to um, dispatch. Does he manage to dispatch him? Yes, he does. Yes. 
Um, so our hero, our hero defeats uh, the. Our hero does defeat. They then head to the house where Elizabeth Moss's character, because mm-hmm. they are friends with with that family, mm-hmm. uh, only to find that that house has also been doppelgangered. Mm-hmm. So it appears that they are not the only victims of of right. uh, of the un- of the tethered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That these people are everywhere. They're coming out of the ground. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're coming to to take what they consider to be their rightful place in the United States. Fine. Um, actually, the scene where we see Elizabeth Moss's family get untethered is very effective, right? Because it's unexpected. Um, I, from what I understood, this film when I went to see it, not before I saw it, mm-hmm. was that. It was just Lupita Nyong'o's family who would be affected, but actually, right. these things are everywhere. Um, uh, so they manage to make it through the night. They steal mm-hmm. a car and head down to the docks, uh, down to the beach, to try and find the source of all of this. Right. Um, and what they find is that the the untethered have joining their hands to form a massive human chain <laughs> that nobody can pass through. Okay. That's a very creepy scene. Yeah, that sounds uh, terrifying. Because they're not moving. They're just, just holding hands. They go into the sea and they sort of go across the land. and mm-hmm. um, They then... Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character and her, her daughter return to the Hall of Mirrors... Okay. Where they found, where they find an underground facility, okay, with an escalator or moving staircase, as I think they call them in the United States, um, which is overrun by rabbits. Okay. Uh, where they find uh, the character called Red, who I wasn't is the, expecting rabbits. No, but the rabbits that all look exactly the same, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, where Adelaide finds Red, who is the um, uh, the you know the main female protagonist, her doppelganger, mm-hmm. and Red explains her belief that the tethered were created by humans to control their counterparts on the surface. Um, this is a bit of a throwaway sequence that I'm not entirely sure works perfectly, but That's some kind of explanation for how they got how they were made. Yeah, okay. and I'm not really sure it's necessary. Okay, but I'll go into why I think it might be there. Actually, I'll talk about that now because Jordan Peele uh, is is restarting the Twilight Zone. Okay. And I think that both Get Out and Us could be Twilight Zone shorts. You know, they have that mm-hmm. kind of feel about them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and this exposition bit is very, very Twilight Zone. Right. right, right, right. Um, in fact, the whole movie is kind of a is mm-hmm. kind of that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what she then discovers is that. Or what we what we discover, um, she finds her son hidden in a locker. Uh, she dispatches with Red, so Red Red's dead, baby. Hang on, they, they, is that the doppelganger? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they drive away. What okay. we then get is a flashback. Okay. To, we get a flashback back to nineteen eighty six with young Adelaide Thomas in the Hall of Mirrors, what we see is the doppelganger grabs her, Mm -hmm. drags her downstairs and handcuffs her to the bed. 
Mm -hmm. takes her clothes and then goes back up to the surface. Right. So the reason why she can't speak is because she is the doppelganger. Doppelganger, yeah. And she has been all the time. Yeah. Um, so that is the big twist mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. is that she is one of the untethered, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she always has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was very effective because mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. I mean, right. I thought it was strange that Red is the only character among the doppelgangers that can speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really give it that much thought. Okay. So when that is revealed, it's like, oh, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, much like the big reveal in Get Out, really. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that is uh, that is us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first question that comes to my mind immediately is yes. If I think about Black Klansman and Get Out, yes, they're both. They both very much on the surface have racism as one of their key themes. Very much race so. and racism. Yeah. Um, so is that not present in us? I think it very. I think it is, but I think this is more. You know, you mentioned society mm-hmm. earlier on. I think there is a larger question of identity, and people that look like us mm-hmm. but are not us. That is very much the the theme of this movie. So I'm not sure that it's overtly a film about racism in the way mm-hmm. that Get Out was a film about mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is certainly a film about identity and about how, although there may be people that look like us, they are not us and they don't behave like us. Okay. Um, so so could it definitely be about the, like the political divide in America? Yeah, definitely. So there's definitely a political divide. There's definitely a... Um, we're seeing similar themes here to, to, as you were saying, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more notably the maybe the um, maybe the seventies version, or is it eighties eighties version, which is less about polit- politics, more about identity. Okay, but I was going to say my understanding of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is that it was really about how the Russians were going to come and get us. Yeah, that's the original version. It's okay. very much about how the Russians are coming to get us. Okay. But the the the, the remake, the first remake, is is more about identity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this kind of follows that. This is, I think, not as overtly political as Get Out. Right, right. More of a straightforward horror movie. Right, right, right. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I think no. um, Jordan Peele is... He's two for two. Yeah. Two for two is... Um, it's a really um, meticulously thought through movie that yeah. I think for for the first first hour or so is just nail, nail-biting right. intention. Mm. It mm. kind of loses a bit of that because I don't think you can sustain that for two hours. Mm-hmm. But um, I really enjoyed this. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think it's an it's a cracking, cracking horror movie mm-hmm. made by someone who understands how horror movies work mm-hmm. and wants to scare you. Right, that sounds really cool. What I'm worried yeah. about, and I and I guess I'd have to watch it. And maybe I'm probably just completely wrong, and it's fine. But what I'm worried about is that the message of the film is. Um, 
there are there are people that look like us but actually they're nothing like us they're evil aliens and if that's talking about like the other side of the political divide and you know these people are just the enemy and we should destroy them mm. then I, that would be a horribly negative uh, message that i wouldn't want it to have yeah. but um I'd I don't have, think it has I'd that. Have to though. watch it to to decide whether that was what it was. Saying. I didn't get that from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I didn't mm-hmm. get that. I th- I think um, it is very much, uh, you know, they're kind of a bit relentless. So they're a little bit zombie-like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their in the way that they behave. So um, although it is about the other, and it's about it's about you know people that look like us but are not us, it is basically a horror movie about. An unrelenting enemy. Right, right, right. Um, is, is there a sense that they're actually they are like us, and we would do the same in their shoes? Or is not? Yeah, maybe because they've mm-hmm. been locked up underground mm-hmm. for their entire lives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when they're offered the chance to get out, get out, and take their place above ground, they um, they they embrace that willingly, mm-hmm. which I probably would. If mm-hmm. I had that chance, mm-hmm. but certainly the twist, the big reveal at the end, is very effective, mm-hmm. and that in some way indicates that they are ex- exactly like us. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So they can speak. You know, they can. They can. Uh, they can be human, although they don't seem very human mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first see them. Cool. But they are. They are humans. It's really exciting to see some aspects of the Korean or Japanese horror. Like if they're creepy in the way that people are creepy in those films, yep. seeing that come into Western cinema is quite exciting. Yeah, it is. That in, you can see the influence of J horror and mm. and Korean horror on mm. a movie like this, mm. particularly with the way that the kids move, right, right, right and the right, unrelenting right. nature of. Um, there's also some angles and mm-hmm. so the way that some shocks and and uh, action stuff is delivered is very very reminiscent of Japanese horror. Right, 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 right. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean, saw it, some remakes yeah. of Japanese horror in American cinema. But yeah, I, I feel like we're ready for the, act, the influence to enter our lexicon. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I kind of, I'm kind of sad that Jordan Peele is going to be making The Twilight Zone because I, I'd like him to make more movies. Right. But I would be interested to see. Obviously, I'm interested to see what he does with the Twilight Zone because yeah. it's been revived a couple of times since the original series to to lesser and greater effect. Right. I haven't watched much of it, but when I've seen bits of it, I just felt like it's pointless. Like, uh, yeah, it just didn't. Like, it was always like imagine this scenario that that I can't really imagine, and I don't see the point of imagining, <laughs> and then yeah. go from there. Yeah, it's. I mean, the original series is is obviously influential, but it's quite patchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably one of the one of the best examples of it is Terror at Thirty Thousand Feet, with okay. William Shatner. Okay. Um, who's a man who who's on a plane, and uh, he's got a seat over the wing, mm-hmm. and he he thinks he can see something on the wing, mm-hmm. and he uh, becomes more and more agitated. But nobody else can see the thing on the wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the plane lands, there's like big scratch marks on the wing. So yeah, there was indeed something on the wing. But he's gone completely mad. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a, that's a very good episode. That's a very influential episode. And right. you know, Shatner right. really sells the role. 
Right. I was only William Shatner can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, um, Peel said he was dismayed with the genre confusion over Get Out. Okay. People were confused about what genre it was. Well, is it not just obviously a horror film? Well, I think maybe it's also a you know it's also a political maybe there's some comedic elements to it but you know comedy horror is a thing it is um uh so he opted to make us a full-on horror movie okay yeah and calling it described by rolling stone as a spill your soda scary compared (laughs) to the existential terrifying get out right okay um and yeah, and I think I think us definitely delivers on that. It is. There were scenes in this that my that my wife was watching through her fingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I mean I I felt scared listening to you describe it. Some of the. Uh, yeah. Um, the imagery is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I want to watch Black Klansman again. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's so good. Really great. Um, cool. Okay, so here's the question. Yes. So what? Why? What's the point of this film? Okay, I think the point of it is, is that we all need to be good to each other. We all need to be nice to each other, <laughs> and that if there's if there's like doppelgangers of you underground, you need to lock, not lock them underground. Yeah, you should just be nice to them. Just be nice to them because they might okay. actually be useful. You know, you could share work. Yeah, I mean, you share a soul. You wouldn't have to go to work every day. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I'm really tired. Yeah, well, your doppelganger could go to work for you and you could stay at home and do some coding or, you know, cool. spend some time with your children. Yeah. Um, however, Jordan Peele says that one of the central themes is that we can do a good job collectively of ignoring the ramifications of privilege. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so that's what it's about. It's about privilege. Is that, what, is that right? Yeah, well, he's one of the themes he's saying. So it's not okay. it's not the whole thing. Okay. Um, he's saying that those who suffer most and those who prosper are two sides of the same coin. And we okay. need to fight for the less fortunate. That is okay. very That true. is the message I can get behind. Fight for the less fortunate. Yeah. Yes. Oh, also. So uh, yeah, okay. So let's just develop that a bit. So the, yes, this is a this is a whole group of people that that the privileged people haven't even noticed exist. Exactly, they've just They're been suffering yeah. secretly as, as far as far as the the privileged people are concerned. Mm-hmm. And then it's disturbing when when you realise these people exist, right? So yes, something like yes. what what society waking up to to what it's really doing to other people. Yes, is like I that's just remembered. Uh, in a standout moment, a thing that made me laugh out loud whilst I was watching the film, whilst there was really disturbing stuff happening on screen, mm-hmm. that Elizabeth Moss's family, they have a listening device like a you know one of the, one of the um, Google or mm-hmm. Amazon or mm-hmm. whatever listening device. It's called something else in the movie. Mm-hmm. They say listening device, call the police, and the and the listening device says. Now playing F the Police by NWA. <laughs> and that plays out over this scene of horrific um, mutilation that's happening on screen. And it's very, very well-timed and really funny. 
<laughs> I like that. Yes. Like Very that good. A lot. Because, you know, those listening devices are basically useless. They're just... They're, they're listening to you and they're playing your stuff back to people. And sometimes to... Um, to to random strangers as well. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Don't do it, kids. So uh, I listened. I listened quite often to um, Rubbish Ranganathan's um, oh. Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. I've heard that's good. Um, it, is, it is fun, um, and they had on there. I can't remember who it was. They had someone on there who's a comedian, who had done a version of F the Police called. I think it was called Thank the Police or <laughs> something like that. And it and it it changes all the lyrics to talk about. Um, you know what a good job they do and things like that. And uh, they were just talking about the YouTube comments, and you know there were comments on there saying you've completely missed the point of this song. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah. like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just read about read some um, res- critical response. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a ninety four percent rating. Wow. Uh, yeah, with a consensus reading. Jordan Peele's second inventive, ambitious horror film. We have seen how to beat the sophomore jinx, and it is us. Uh, Roger Ebert's website gave it four out of four, saying it's another thrilling exploration of the past and oppression this country is still too afraid to bring up. Peele wants us to talk, and he's given audiences the material to think to feel our way through some of the darker sides of the human condition and the American experience. I think, I've just had a thought, I think that um, Jordan Peele is a latter-day George A. Romero. Right, in yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, he's making allegorical horror movies that yeah. are actually about us. And, you know, the horrific elements are kind of secondary to the socio-political stuff that's going on underneath. I agree, I agree. And, I, and it, I'm glad that we've come round to... A political message that I'm I'm interested in thinking through and understanding, rather than one that's just about someone else being the enemy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think I think really that both Get Out and Us will deliver whatever you bring to them. Right. 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 Yeah. So if you if you watch Us and maybe you're a little bit prejudiced, then maybe you'll take that with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have an open mind, then it might open your eyes to to inequality and privilege. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Night of the Living Dead and the and the multiple ways in which it um confronted racism. Yeah. Um and yeah. it does feel very much like Jordan Peele is, is continuing at, at that that line of resistance. Yeah, in a very smart way. Yeah. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah, very, very exciting. Especially when someone's making Stuff that's that good. Uh, he is one of the few people that the Good Robot Andy's Twitter account follows. Oh, excellent! <laughs> so, um, uh, not because not because I've picked him out especially. Although, I mean, I I, I I set it to follow him after we talked about um, Get Out, um, but just because I haven't got round to adding many people. But yeah, so whenever I I click onto the Good Robot Andy's Twitter feed to post something, I see stuff from Jordan Peele. Nice. He says funny things. Yeah, he's a funny guy. He he's one of the um is some of the voice talent in Toy Story 4. So he appears in that. Right. 
Yeah, I haven't seen Toy Story four, but but you know, is there seen... another Toy Story? Or no, that no four is the other one. Is four right? is the new one. Okay, okay. Um, uh, I have to say, I'm I'm approaching it with caution because Toy Story three nearly destroyed me emotionally. <laughs> I haven't so, seen it. Yeah, it's um. I kind of want to get around to it. Approach with caution if you're tired and emotional. <laughs> Because it will rip your heart out. <laughs> Maybe just watch Train to Busan again. Yeah, that that that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. If you want a good cry. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. There's a um, few I've got lined up. So I'd like to watch the one where there's all the people in that in the girl's head. Oh, Inside Out. Inside Out. That's also, terrific. I'd also like to watch Up. Up is Up is amazing. I guess this is a list of films that I've two things in common one people don't buy them for me because they're not horror films yes and two uh, my wife won't watch them uh, what? So I, I can either watch things that I've got on DVD cause, and they're sitting on a shelf and when I can't sleep I watch them or I can watch things that my wife will tolerate and those things right. don't fit into either category well surely surely you've got children of an age that you could watch Inside Out with yeah they've seen it multiple times oh okay yeah Inside Out's yeah. brilliant. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a film all about mental health. Yeah, but um, um, the wife will not tolerate anything that in any way tugs heartstrings. She oh, wants really. She wants hard sci-fi, right? Basically. Okay. So she hated Interstellar then. Yes. Because <laughs> although it's hard sci-fi, it does tug on your heartstrings quite a big, in oh, quite a big a bit way. Boring. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we've already been, we've already been there. Um, okay, I'm trying to think now. Okay, <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah. Okay, plugging. Do some okay. plugging. Okay. Okay. Um, what am I doing for plugging? So I've been working. I seem to have slightly lost momentum. I'm, I, as I say, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very tired, so I'm struggling to be productive. But I've been working on a, a multiplayer game, um, which is a version. Oh, I watched. You know what I watched last night? What's that? Tron. What the the original Tron from the yes. 1980s? Yes, I was given the DVD for some kind of th- birthday or something ages ago, and I finally got around to watching. It. I watched it with all the kids. The kids were absolutely gripped. Were they? Yeah. That's cool, because it has it aged well? Well, I don't know. I was asleep through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you like, didn't watch Tron. I've really got to watch it again. What you should say okay. is, last night I, was, I slept. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, I'm tired. Um, uh, the special effects are remarkably fine. They look okay. basically perfect. Right. It's because someone basically sat and coloured in every frame. Is my understanding. So yes, yes, um, yeah. It still looks. It looks exactly how it was always. It was meant to look at the time, and even the three D. Um, there's a whole load of three D sequences that were obviously rendered. Yes, there are. Yeah, on like an Amiga or something. The light cycles and um, yeah, yeah loads David, of stuff. David Warner in his ridiculous outfit. And uh, yeah, they look fine. Everything looks totally fine. That's cool. I mean, Tron was a Disney. Mm. production mm. it was it's widely regarded as you know a, a kind of creative failure mm-hmm. um but is still a massive cult movie tron what's interesting about it is it has all the plot elements of other films yes like the matrix you know it has like um you know, jeopardy and stuff like that but all the actual scenarios they're in are all just completely they're just using words that you've never heard or whatever you know they'd have no 
they bear no relation to real life, and it seems like it doesn't really matter. You can still have a plot. You say, oh, quick, run at the phlebotnums of, of the gribblies, the gribbly, <laughs> the gribbly bombs. <laughs> and then they run away, and it still has the same effect as if those things were somehow real. It's quite interesting. But yeah, I did sleep through too much of it. I need to watch it again, really, when I'm awake. Um, yes. But yeah, it, it, I was amazed how, how well the special effects held up. There's a, they, they produced a sequel um, yeah. late 2000s, I think. Yeah. Which is okay. I haven't watched it. Um, they tried to de-age Jeff Bridges, but mm. the de-aging tech just hadn't really stuck at that point. Right. And it just doesn't really work. Yeah, I'm not sure I can be bothered with that. It's okay. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so the reason I mention that is that the the game that I'm writing is a Tron game, by which I mean Light you suckers. control a line that tries to trap in the other lines. Yes. Um, but what's interesting about it is that it's like a multiplayer thing over the internet, and I'm writing. What's really interesting to me about it is that I'm writing it in Rust. Ah. But I've pretty much finished writing the server, the game, and now I'm writing the the website, the front end. So like, draw the thing that actually draws the lines on the screen in a web page. Right. So I'm writing that in Elm. Ooh. So you can follow me on GitHub to um, follow those two, the front end and the back end project. I did do a little bit of Twitch live coding of some of the Elm code. I might do a bit more of that. So you can follow me on Twitch if you um, if you want to see a bit of live coding. I might do that. If What's I'm Twitch? So can tired. you explain what Twitch is for listener? Twitch is a, as a live streaming video platform. Oh. Um, so... If you if you log on to Twitch at the time I happen to be actually online and doing it, you can watch me live and you can uh, make comments uh, that I see live and reply to you on the stream. But also, stuff's recorded as well, so you can watch it later. Oh, wonderful! Um, so cool. yeah, it used to be used just for playing games, but it it now you're now allowed to do any old stuff on there. So live coding is a thing. Nice. So you can watch me like you know typing every line of code and talking about what I'm doing. And pretty asleep. boring. Yeah. And maybe someone will fall asleep. <laughs> or maybe they won't. Hopefully not me. <laughs> Hopefully not you whilst you're coding. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Cool. Cool. Uh, my plugging is I have a podcast feed called uh, Movie Mashup. No camera case, no, no caps. No camera case, no caps. Uh, I haven't posted for a while because I haven't actually been to the movies for a while because it's mm-hmm. been... It's been all kind of genre, not genre, it's all been franchise sequels and stuff that I'm not interested in, Disney <sighs> stuff. Uh, but I think I'm going to go and see uh, Quentin Tarantino's latest when that comes What's that? Out. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Is that uh, a name I've heard before because it's a remake or something? It's not a remake, no. It's an okay. original piece. Okay. Um, which Is it more of the same, you know, sort of gangsters and guns? Uh, I think it might be some... No, I don't think it is Gangsters, no. I think it's it's a Hollywood. It's a film about Hollywood in the early 70s, which, okay. you know, most people would consider to be kind of a golden age mm-hmm. of that period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I might go and see that, but I haven't posted anything to the feed for quite a while because, well, maybe a couple of months. So, listen, because, now's your chance to listen back to the whole archive. Yes, please do. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff to get through there. So I used to, used to host a radio show, but don't anymore due to time constraints. <laughs> so now I post to the podcast feed and do this podcast exclusively, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, listener, please uh, um, subscribe to the podcast, which you can do at artificialworlds.net slash goodrobotandies or wherever you get your podcast. I think that's the phrase people use. That is the phrase that everybody uses. Um, yeah. uh, also, do leave a review. Obviously, five-star review. Um, do Obviously. tweet or whatever the young people do these days. Toot. Or toot on Mastodon. I took my, I've, I'm taking a break from Twitter because it was, mm-hmm. it was doing my head in. Yeah. Too much. Too much. I notice the difference in my mood. I, t- I tend to have a Twitter tab open and a Mastodon tab open. And mm. th- the Twitter tab draws me. So I, I, it's, it, it tends to be Twitter that I check first because it has this effect on you because it's yep. designed to do that. Yeah. And I feel terrible. And then I kind of breathe a sigh of relief when I switch to Mastodon. Yeah. On it Mastodon, me, it's just, yeah. it, there's no one manipulating you. It's just people sort of randomly thinking things. Yeah, and I have I have engaged with some people on Mastodon, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, which is it's fun. It's a good place. Um, yeah, I found that Twitter was just unrelenting misery. Yeah. Um, and I removed it from my phone. I haven't deleted my account, but I removed it from my phone. Mm-hmm. I looked mm-hmm. at it the other day in a, in a tab in my browser mm-hmm. and thought, mm-hmm. nope, don't miss it. And just closed it. Right, right, right. It just right. made me feel anxious all over again. So, yeah. um, so I'm glad I'm not looking at it at the moment. Yeah, I've done the same thing in that I well, I know I do regularly check it on my computer, but I've removed the app from my phone. Yeah. Um, I sometimes use the Mastodon app Tusky on my phone, but not very often actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't have that. I don't know. It's a combination of things. There's a sense that everything's falling apart. And there's a sense that you should be doing something, but you don't know what. Yes. And, yeah. Hopelessness. Yeah, so it's nice to go on Mastodon and see people living their lives, thinking thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Being yeah. themselves. Just being themselves, yeah. And people who are prepared to engage with you without it being like a shouting war. Yeah, exactly. That's that's good. That's yeah. very good. Um, is that it? That's it. Follow us on Mastodon at GoodRobotAndy's at Mastodon.social. I'm also, I am on Mastodon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At, ooh, who am I on Mastodon? I need to look myself up now. Uh, where will I find my ID? Maybe in the... the oh, uh, yes. The at Cockers at Mastodon. At Cockers at Mastodon.social, yes. is it? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I'm at Andy Balaam at Mastodon.social. Um, you look look out for me on YouTube where I'm not Andy Balaam. I'm AJ Balaam on YouTube because oh, so confusing. Some some other villain. What called Andy Balaam, who's never posted a video, has the name Andy Balaam That's on crazy. YouTube. That's so annoying. It, I mean, he has every right to no that bit don't. of the internet, and no, given that I have every other bit of the internet in the world, <laughs> that's, that's called Andy Balaam. He has no right to it. I think he has. He is like my. Uh, He's your doppelganger. My shadow. My doppelganger. What's he's your it tethered. My tethered. Yes. <laughs> so one day he's just going to rise from the ground in front of me and say, "Give me back my space on." Twitter. No, he won't speak. He'll just stove oh, your head in just with go, something. Ah. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be it. Yeah. yeah. So I um I uh, publicly apologise to Andy Balaam. 
Um, the only thing I know about Andy Balaam is that he was a quarterback in his high school American football team, and he was a pilot in Ooh. the uh, U.S. Air Force. Okay, so he's okay. He's probably handy then. So we should definitely apologise to Andy Balaam. I definitely Any think <laughs> that in a in a hand to hand combat scenario. Um, uh, yeah. So, Andy Balaam, if you're out there, sorry that we slandered you. Yeah, we apologise. Do yeah. you think he obsessively follows everything I do on the internet? <laughs> Maybe. I, th- I thought you had posted something by now, though, if he was going to do that. Yeah. Well, hello to all of my fans. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello, fans. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, I think it's beyond it. Okay. Thanks for cool. listening. Cheers, everyone. Tell, tell all your friends. See you tell, next time. Yeah,